Okay, so we're recording. So um, today we're talking a little bit about um, energy sensitivity um, in the realm of you know people who specifically will will make this available for others, but specifically for this intuitive course um, that I have currently going. Wanted to have you into the course to talk a little bit about your perspectives and just get a conversation going on energy sensitivity for people who sort of self-identify as sensitive, intuitive, somewhat psychic even, definitely empathic, um, feeling like they absorb and interact with the world in a way where they often feel like they're taking on a lot, feeling overwhelmed by um, being in big groups, overwhelmed by the events of the world, oftentimes turning to numbing a lot of the sensations that they're feeling. Also, a lot of them self-identifying with having a very stimulated nervous system, either from childhood experiences that many can remember, um, or from uh, experiences that happened in adolescence, causing sort of this state of high alert and heightened sensitivity. Um, and we've just been exploring in the course a lot around energy, a lot around the importance of boundaries and edges and seeking to have a self and be seated in the self. Um, and you're so knowledgeable in so many areas that we, I just thought it would be a wonderful gift for them to um, also hear your perspectives on these things. So is there anything that jumps out to you um, as I'm sort of talking about sensitivities, clairvoyance, all these things, um, and our ability to uh, sort of reconcile them in the Western scientific world or even in the Eastern uh, philosophical world, because I know you have a really rich background there too. Um, well, thank you, first of all, for uh, sharing this conversation. And With everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and my dog as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, uh, first thing that jumps out for me is the regulation of the nervous system is something that's so sort of primary for all of us is having the tools um, on hand to, and first of all, to know the difference between regulation and dysregulation, and then having the tools on hand in order to uh, regulate our nervous system. Because the you know, we're sitting in, uh, if you will, a world, a universe, uh, a domain, that's all energy. So, um, you know, learning energy management is another frame that we could, you know, put into something that's sort of imperative for all of us born into this world, into this domain, is to learn about our own energy field and learning um, how to manage it, you know, and in the west um we're still uh what do i want to say um not necessarily pioneers yes um but very sort of novice when it comes to even how we frame energy or what it is right it goes hand in hand with the scientific debates around consciousness you know is consciousness an epiphenomenon of brain process right and, and um, you know, quantum physics obviously turned a lot on its head as far as showing that the world is all composed of energy. But um, right now, we don't have any de definitive answers 
in a, like a kind of scientific textbook, so to speak. Um, and for sure, yoga and uh, different Eastern techniques have shown us for a long time um, that we are energy and that learning to manage our energy, that there are ways to do that. And again, so to come back, it, it has so much to do with regulating the nervous system, making sure that all the nadis or all the energy channels are opened and not blocked. Um, so the energy flows and it isn't getting bottled up in particular areas. And I think sometimes when we're hypersensitive to what is external to us, um, one of the questions that we can pose is, am I putting emphasis on an objective world? Am I see, is, is that other? What is outside of my five sensory perception? Is that other? Or is that, how does that work? What's my own philosophy of beingness mm -hmm. and what the world in front of my eyes, how does that relate to the world behind my eyes? Um, because, you know, in the view of energy management, it becomes an imperative or our responsibility to be able to, that's the involution of thought form, to keep, keep working so we go within to actually um, on a, person by person basis understand where that energy is getting generated from um, that would be my my opening ideas do you have any anything to dovetail off of, off of yeah. yeah well I I would um, maybe you could um, I mean I definitely agree with all of that and this idea of the philosophy of uh, what's my personal philosophy of like what who am I? What am I? The beingness, you know, what's the relationship to me and the things outside of me and the space in between me and the things outside of me. Um, but before I would go too far down that hole, just for those people in the course who may not be familiar with these concepts of regulated and dysregulated uh, nervous systems, could you give a little um, definition or explanation, short explanation as to what that might look like if someone's system, how it feels and might look like when we're regulated versus when we're not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a definitely, a, for a regulated system, there's definitely a sense of peace. Mm -hmm. um, it's neither overstimulated nor understimulated. Mm -hmm. um, so, so to be clear on that, right? It, it, it's a peacefulness, but neither overstimulated, but not understimulated. Um, we are able to hear and listen and feel safe and comfortable in our bodies. Right, so our ears are open, our throats are open, we can speak, um, we can speak freely. There isn't a lot of fear being activated. Whereas in a dysregulated system, that's exactly what you'll have. You'll have fight, flight, or freeze. So you can either become underactive and frozen um, and very scared of what's going on in self or in environment, or you can become um, overactive and have this uh, fight or flight response and that, you know, will feel agitated, um, unable to sit comfortably within the body. And that sense of peace that I was talking about with a regulated system isn't there. Gotcha. So I would say that's the, that's the basic. Yeah. Thank you. And I, you know, I, I was thinking about the, this other 
um, we're kind of acquainted because we work in an intersection of different fields, but there are some intersections that come between them and uh, had interest in working together um, to collaborate and create something around consciousness. And so this other course that we're working on together, which comes out in January, um, as you we were talking about regulated and not and how that felt in the body, I was thinking about a, a segment in that course or a, a module, an area that we're going to look at pretty specifically is the vagus nerve and this idea of polyvagal theory um, and some intersection between maybe the science of yoga and yoga and the science of yoga is definitely the vagus nerve knowing how it affects the nervous system, how it's responsible for helping us to repair rest, digest, do the things that we need to do when we're in a more parasympathetic or restful place in the body. Um, that's definitely been an area of interest for me as someone who has had for many years of my life very dysregulated and still a, a lot of the times I'll find myself in that place system. Um, coming back to the tools that I know that science has started to show, which yoga has talked about, you know, that regulate that nerve for me and help to distribute some of the benefits of that in my body. Um, I think I'm probably an absolute novice um, if I were to compare to your knowledge on that. Um, so I'm wondering if you would be able to also explain sort of piggybacking on the um, idea of the regulated system, how does this nerve, just in, a, in an introductory way, um, manage the stress response and, and the responses in the body and what are maybe one or two things that people who find themselves very stimulated and sensitive might do to affect this nerve in the body how does the nerve manage the stress response um boy how to unpack that one i know it's a big um, <laughs> or how is it connected yeah. How is it connected to, um, yeah, in 13 minutes or less, how is, how is the vagus nerve? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, let's put it this way. So the vagus nerve, right, it's, it's the wandering nerve, and it goes from the brain stem all the way down into the gut, and, you know, it hits the heart center. Um, and um, what's very fascinating about contemporary research um, showing that while Certainly, and I'm going to call it the brain mind, the heart mind, and the gut mind. I love that. Right, because we're so used to locating the mind somehow in the, you know, in the cortex or the neocortex. Um, but really, now, you know, Western research is getting caught up to this idea that, wow, you know, maybe mind is not just located in the brain or in the neocortex. Um, so there's terms now called the enteric brain when they're speaking about the gut. Mm -hmm. um, and this vagus nerve spans all three brains, the, the, the mind brain, the heart brain, and the gut brain. And um, again, this idea that our nervous systems are picking up on so much phenomena all the time mm -hmm. that... Um, even before there's a, a hard cue, let's just say before I don't know, somebody screams at us or uh, 
um, I'm, I'm, what's coming to me is this idea of like when animals know, um, you know, before the earthquake comes, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So before the event actually occurs to our five physical senses, um, our systems are so sensitive that they're actually picking up on cues in the environment. Um, and so if we don't feel safe, and again, not necessarily because somebody is screaming, but we are perhaps picking up on uh, other ways that that energy is getting expressed, not five sensory ways, then we can shut down, we can go into a freeze response, we can go into a fight or flight response. Um, so the actual perhaps neurobiology of all that, uh, I'm not so sure I could uh, explain in too much more detail, but to say that, that our nervous systems are picking up on it, mm -hmm. uh, on, on the environment, um, and whether there is a threat, um, but I also want to add too that sometimes we can also pick up erroneously. Right. So right. we do want to make sure that, um, again, the, the longer we do our own levels of self healing and when we become regulated, we uh, have a greater chance of seeing what's in front of our eyes hearing what's in front of our eyes more accurately, I would say, than um, without having done the work. Because uh, certainly what polyvagal theory in particular is showing is that when there isn't good vagal tone, then we can misperceive people's facial expressions. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, where somebody might have some kind of rest, just, a, you know, their resting face, right? And some people's mouths turn down when their faces are at rest. Uh, but people who don't necessarily have good vagal tone or are quite dysregulated, they will misinterpret those facial cues and feel threatened. Um, so that's why, that, that's part also of why the work on ourselves you know, in, in self-healing and self-realization is really important. So we have greater capacity to accurately and more clearly show up to the circumstances that we find ourselves in in any moment. Yeah, that's really helpful. Um, a lot of people who I talk to who are going through these sort of awakenings to their own consciousness, their own layers of self-healing, um, and in my experience as well, there's been this question of I, awakening to seeing, sensing, and feeling more, and then confusion because sometimes uh, we're misperceiving threats and trying to, we actually had this talk in the group last week, how do we um, distinguish the difference between what's instinctual fear, like the earthquake coming, you know, giving us information about what we might do to be safe, and fear that is that erroneous fear. And that seems to be like a really common question. How am I to learn to discern between the things my body is picking up on, my instincts, you know, and then the, the illusions that my mind is creating. And I'm reminded of in uh, the Yoga Sutras, Patanjali, uh, the, the commentary, um, 
by one of the authors talks about, you know, this idea of seeing uh, a snake in the room and then really it's, it's a rope that's coiled. And if you're not centered and clear in yourself, in your vision and your perception, then you experience a great deal of fear about this coiled rope, you know, that isn't actually a snake. So you know, that one's always sat really strongly with me because there's so many times in the past where I would misperceive uh, a threat, you know, or misperceive um, so many different things. So um, would you say that one of the things people can do to um, create better vagal tone or to um, be in a place of learning to regulate, um, is it very individual, per, like, you know, different for each person, how they need to work with their nervous system? Or is it more universal uh, that certain things seem to affect all people in creating more regulation? Or would I be completely different for you, from you and how I need to regulate based on the things I've gone through and the things you've gone through? I, I, that's a great question. I mean, I think there is definitely no recipe, but what we could say is that pranayama, a breathing practice, mm -hmm. now it might be a different breathing practice for you versus me, but um, breathing practices and, and regulating our breath, um, one practice I, that works really good for me is to a slow five count on the inhale, retaining for a count of two, and then exhaling just a bit slower with a count of six, and then holding the breath there again on the exhale for a count of two, and then repeating it about five times. Um, so that really works for me and a lot of my clients as well, but that doesn't mean that number works for everybody. Some, some people might like a different practice but however pranayama overall um is a great way um global universal to all human bodies uh because that ability to slow the breath down cues the nervous system to safety mm -hmm. and that's standard on every model <laughs> comes with each body. <laughs> I found that to be very true for my my own practice with people and then with myself as well as the breath breath work always seems to be universal as something uh, that can bring me uh, internal and calm even in a even in a really scary situation where something's ac acutely happening like um, we use the example of like we were when we were crossing the border from the U.S. to Canada. It was super stressful. They had us under a good deal of duress, and I was like totally dysregulated. I'm like, what? There's nothing I can do right now. I'm sitting in this little room waiting, and oh yeah, I could breathe. And even as that big stress was happening, coming back to the breath, it certainly didn't make it perfect, but it cut it in half at least, the amount of like physical stress I was feeling in that moment. So just remembering that tool, I think is really valuable. And I've noticed people want like big, fancy, you know, esoteric answers sometimes to these questions. And the look sometimes is like, oh, the breath, that's it kind of disappointing you know um but it seems to work every time and i would i remember going to matt Kahn's, uh conference in portland a few years ago and 
he was like, okay, you all pay the big bucks to come and get the big spiritual cookie. So here it is. And everybody's like on the edge of their seat. And he just was like, close your eyes. And we just breathed for like 30 minutes consciously. <laughs> we made some pretty funny jokes about it, but it was just like, yeah, here it is. <laughs> the big ticket item that y'all pay all this money for. <laughs> just going to sit here and breathe. Well, it's really valuable to remember. Yes, because without, without that regulation or the ability to tap into the breath, be aware, it's like, where are we otherwise? Right. Right? Yes, we're outside of ourselves, usually, for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. We're spinning inside the patterns, right? Inside the neurosis or inside the, the new fear thought or... Um, yeah, the panic, the distress, the dream, the imagination, the, you know, when, um, when we become disconnected out of the body system, yeah, then where are we, right, right? We're in bodies on planet Earth. I mean, that, that, that could, um, I don't know if it opens a door to a whole philosophical uh, inquiry or, or, you know, but you know, this is where we are. Yeah. Yeah. I think it does. It does open the door for sure. Whenever I go, well, where am I? And what is this place? But no matter what I'm here, I'm, I'm right here. And whether I'm, you know, in uh, some kind of simulation or if I'm on planet earth or I'm one being that's all beings like in the moment when I, my nervous system and my body's freaking out, it doesn't really matter. It's just like, I'm here and I need to be here in order to calm myself and to feel present. So this is, I think this is why so much of the, you know, the great work of many sages across all cultures and religions seem to talk about the theme of uh, peace. And it seems to be related to being here now. What brings us here now immediately is usually the breath. Here I am. I'm breathing. I feel it. I feel the expansion. I feel the contraction. And then I start to become more like, okay, I'm here. I'm in my body. I'm present with myself. Um, and, and somehow the noise quiets just a little bit. So I really like that of where, where am I when all the patterns are going? Am I even in myself anymore? You're right. It's so many, you go down so many rabbit holes. Of, what are these patterns? And what are the, you know, all the things. But at the end of the day, sometimes for me, that's just becomes another mental exercise versus just doing the thing I need to do to, to, to be here. Yeah. And I mean, fear is a whole big component of that, right? Whether we're afraid to actually get into our bodies. Hugely. Yeah. yeah that's another thing we've been talking about in this group a lot is what are the motivations for staying outside of our body? You know, is it, is it fear? Is there undigested pain, physical or otherwise in the body? Like there's all these, we were working with a list together and there's all these reasons why we might not want to be here in our body, why it might be difficult and, and painful, uh, really challenging. Seems to be like there's a lot of motivation for humanity right now to, to not be here now. It's just kind of a tough place to be. Very much so, yeah. And, and for the spiritual warriors of the group, um, it, it can also be impetus to take on the challenge if you will of you know um it's almost like pressure 
stimulates growth in a way. Right? We, there's greater pressure collectively, culturally, um, probably even familially, you know, family systems, right? The intergenerational trauma. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it absolutely feels true that every time I've had growth and so many people have shared this with me as well, it comes from a place of pressure. And it's like evolution. Like we know it's time to evolve in some way, consciousness or practices, different habits in, in life. And so just this ability to respond to the call of that pressure, you know, rather to collapse and avoid it but that, that to respond to it, it seems to bring us to a place of growth each time so it certainly seems in our collective world right now it's like pressure's on and i know i know and and so perhaps one thing that we could add here um which is the the skill of yoga right it is this discernment between the seer and the seen I mean, potentially, that's what he's just so clear about, is making this, um, yeah, this discernment, if you will, all this, this, this separation for unity on the back end, but just the practices. The practices are about getting the seer to be in one category, if you will, and all, anything that appears, anything that we can see, that means the most subtle emotional phenomena, it means the gyration in our nervous system, it means the gross phenomena that we see on, you know, the front of our eyes, but to be able to continue to withdraw that seer out of the scene. So, you know, when we're in our body, let's just say, and we are dysregulated, that that dysregulate, then the, the more we do the practices, in other words, we can get quicker back to center, get quicker back to regulation over time. Mm -hmm. um, because we realize that that, that, that that skill, how beneficial it is to, okay, ah, panic, here it is. Ah, anxiety, here it is. Oh, the presidential election. There it is. Here it is. <laughs> you know, oh, wow. Still great unrest around racial tensions. Mm -hmm. Oh, Brexit. You know, whatever, whatever's going on, again, on whatever layer or whatever level, um, the ability to see from, again, the place of what we'll call pure seeing, pure awareness, the, the witness, um, that skill set, hopefully, I would say this could be the vision of yoga. Let's see what you think about this. But the more of us that are able to um, be willing to sit in the place of regulation and, and pure seeing without putting any judgment, any labels, wanting to rename too quickly or rebind that energy too quickly, reconstruct it, that if, I don't know, you know, what the number would be, the hundredth monkey principles where I'm going with this, like, you know, how many people that we can get to, to get to that place of, of clarity, or maybe we could call it a ground zero, um, and then, you know, sit around the campfire and decide what, what next, 
that kind of thing. Do you, are you with me there? Do you see where I'm going with that? Yeah, I, as you were talking, I would like sometimes this happens where it's like, oh, like deep realization, like coming into the body. And I was like totally vibing with everything you said and like getting this sense like, what do you think of the idea that like phenomenon, external phenomenon intensifying in order to get the seer to take a seat? Like, I just had this deep thought of like, maybe things intensify so that we can separate from see our like take the seat inside and see instead of being so merged with everything you know no distinction between the seer and the scene you know it's like almost out of pure necessity so i've been working in this field for not that long but at least 10 years and it's this trend of like more and more people are interested in taking that seat of the seer as phenomenon around the globe continues to intensify. It's almost like forcing consciousness, forcing, forcing this thing. So I, I don't know. I wonder what you think of that idea of things externally intensifying almost as, and this isn't in any way to minimize the suffering that's going on, but a gift to humanity to sit and take the seat within and, and start to separate out from everything out of need, you know, to, to feel a sense of self. Yeah. I mean, again, this will go perhaps get into the philosophy of, of maybe what our species is or the potentiality that our species has. Um, but I think you're, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, c completely. I mean, I'm a such a huge fan of Patanjali, but also the Tibetan Book of the Dead mm -hmm. is one of my core texts. It's one of the first texts I ever picked up after having really profound spiritual experiences, and it spoke to me straight away. And so, you know, in in that school of thought, they speak of the peaceful deities and the wrathful deities. You know, it's meant to be read when somebody, you know, leaves the body, crosses over. Um, but really, it's a textbook that's applicable in this life right now. Um, and the uh, again, it's about seeing through, understanding the the pure light of you know pure awareness, pure consciousness. Um, and that you don't get thrown off by any of the wrathful deities. It just, it does nothing. It's like, you know, looking at a big pen. It just doesn't, it's like, oh, okay, wrathful. <laughs> Interesting, Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Tuesday at five, wrathful, yeah. Mm -hmm. That. Um, uh, There's a yeah. adequate training of being able to, be in the presence of some not so some wrathful deities if you want to put it that way i like that um and learn how to you know forcing integrity too forcing you know values learning our own value systems as, as individuals and communities and sitting inside them and deciding like who am i and and having some autonomy for me at least in that decision like who do i want to be what do i got to look at inside and clean up and work with and you know, in order to actually be able to have a comfortable seat inside myself, you know, what, what patterns and habits and things do I have to look at? How am I contributing? How, how am I a wrathful deity in some ways, you know? Um, and then 
sifting through it as I sit in my seat with my breath. And um, yeah, there's just, it's brand new just coming through now. And I think I have to chew on it a while, but just feels really like when the, when the humans won't wake up and look at the things and the earth is sending out this big call of like, hello, it's not going well. Um, what do, what happens? And it feels like, wow, maybe it's all intensifying because it's critical for us that it intensifies because it's critical that we take that seat and, and become calm and still within it. And like that hundredth monkey idea, like what happens when we all do? Maybe I like to maintain hope that something really beautiful can happen. And I've heard you say before, and I really like this, of, you know, your hope that and belief that consciousness can shift in what seems like a split second, you know, it's possible for that to happen. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I think so, definitely. And one thing I would add, too, and again, we're talking about the witness and being uh, able to take the seat as the seer. Um, now, in my own, as I always say, this is all, all these conversations are always alchemy. So we're sort of cooking it in our cauldron. But this idea that um, for me, it doesn't mean that I don't take action. Like I vote in the political elections for me exercising my voice and you know it, it's not about seeing i.e i'm not on a 10-year meditation retreat in a hut somewhere that i'm not participating in the society it, it's like it there's also now i also do believe that that the clearest action is going to come from the clearest place of seeing um but if, for me anyway it isn't about withholding any action mm -hmm. um you know and again one of our favorite texts both of us is the bhagavad-gita mm -hmm. krishna telling arjuna you know you really you got to show up and, and play this part and i i really subscribe to that as well yeah so it's not like i'm sitting there waiting you know um i'll sit here and wait for consciousness to evolve it'll be fine i'm doing my part <laughs> Yeah, because now again, from 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 my point of view, when we're talking about the evolution of consciousness, we're talking about the evolution of the contents of consciousness. Because pure consciousness is pure consciousness; it's eternal and absolute. The thing that we're watching the evolution of is its contents. Now, that that's a whole deeper discussion, which maybe we could do on on another time for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, I love that and fully with you on that idea of like, as I'm sitting and getting clearer, now I have this sacred call to action. It's undeniable. And if I don't act, then I'm also avoiding part of my karma, my, or my dharma, or my destiny. Like it's, it's an important part of it is to, to sit to hear the call and then, and then with clarity to respond. So totally, totally agree with you on that. Uh, Okay, well, I, you know, we try, we said we'll try to do this in 20 minutes or less, which was a tall order for such a discussion. Um, but I think we managed to do it in 30 or less. So we'll, we'll maybe wrap it there because there's so much more to talk about. Um, but we have uh, many, many more hours of, of all this together in our upcoming course. And um, I'll also put a link for everybody in the course. And if we share this outside the course to your website and bio, so they can learn a little bit more about you and where to find your work and, um, and whatnot. And thank you for doing this for us and taking the time. And, um, it's always just such a pleasure to continue exploring these things. Like I always get a new insight, learn something new, think about something new. So really grateful for that time together.
Oh my God. Likewise. Likewise. Very grateful on, on my end too. And, and love the, um, continual learning and expansion and, and, you know, understanding, which is great. Same. So thank you. And I guess everyone, the takeaway is the big fancy answer. Once again, the breath, <laughs> sit down and breathe. Wah, wah. Anticlimactic, I know, but you know, what works, works. So there we have it. All right, I'm going to stop the recording now and um, until next time.